Well, as I get ready to share these words with you, and this is, we're going to be reading from Matthew 10, 16 through uh, 42, um, I want to do a quick preamble here to talk about Jesus himself. Uh, Dallas Willard talks about, um, about the fact is that Jesus is so committed to us having what is most valuable, most true, most right, most loving. He's so committed in his love that if there were someone else that could do better what he did, he would be the first person to tell us we should follow them. Which I think is a really cool way to think about that. Jesus loves you so much that if there was someone else who could do a better job than him, he would tell you to follow them. And it's incredible about how how God is so committed to our autonomy, actually, our ability to have a free will, to choose him. He's so committed to that, and he doesn't force his way in. Remember Jason, I think it was three weeks ago, talked about, I stand at the door and knock. You guys remember that? The story of the young girl who had had her, her boundaries violated in such a horrific way, and that God, she saw in the scriptures that God stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't burst into her room. He doesn't break through her boundaries. He knocks at the door. And if she opens the door, then he'll come in. And that's just a microcosm of, of the God. That's just one picture, but he's like that. He's, he's absolutely like that. He's the God that knocks. He's the God that asks. He's the creator that asks the created if they will choose him back. He never coerces, he never manipulates, and he never threatens. He speaks the truth in love, and he's so committed to giving us that opportunity to choose him back. He's so committed. And, and, and I, I, I want to I I tell you this, that, that Jesus brought the good news. And what is the good news? The good news, Jesus said over and over and over again, I bring you good news, I bring you good news. What is that good news? That the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The good news is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you and I can come into the kingdom and the kingdom can come into us through Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection. That's the good news. That's what we're carrying. When we tell other people good news, we say, there is great news. You have a father. You are invited to be a part of his kingdom. You have been ripped off by an enemy but you can be saved and brought into the kingdom of that good father and you can belong and you can live forever. That's great news, isn't it? You have a purpose, you have a papa. There is forgiveness of sins. And by the way, every thought that's come into your mind is not your own. How many of you guys are excited about that? Like the ones that are yours that are bad, you can be forgiven for those, but a lot of them, they're not even yours. You have an enemy. That's really good news. And Jesus came to bring that good news that God wants to come into these temples. Did you guys know that you're a temple? We're talking about the kingdom. We have to understand how the kingdom expands. The way that the kingdom expands is that Jesus said what? It's within you. And so therefore, when we invite God into us, into these temples, then everything that we have influence and responsibility over becomes territory of the presence and purposes of God. The kingdom expands that way. But God is absolutely committed that he won't come into these temples 
unless we open them up to him. Do you guys see that? He, he will not violate that, and he will not coerce you. He will not manipulate you. I guess coercing and manipulating is really the same thing, isn't it? I, don't, I guess I'm saying that twice. He really won't coerce you. But he also doesn't threaten you. He doesn't want to come into these temples unless we invite him. And, you know, I'm kind of preaching to myself on that one because I was, uh, I was listening to, or I was reading something by Dallas Willard lately. And he made the statement, he said this, he said, we often forget how committed God is to our authority in our own temples. We as humans forget how committed God is. And we try to coerce and manipulate people. I keep saying the same thing. I just stop doing it, double stop doing it. Uh, but we do. Or we threaten them, right? We're like, well, do you know how bad it's going to be? But you know, the truth is God just tells things as they are and lets us choose. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't make it worse or better than it actually is. He just speaks the truth. And that's really his desire for us is, listen, I am actually the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I want to give you abundant life. You really do have an enemy. If you side with the enemy and reject me, then you will die. If you choose me, I'm life, and you'll actually live forever because you were created to live forever. And I hope you choose me, but if you don't, I'm not going to force you. And, that, and that's how he lays it out for us, which is incredible. But I have to say that honestly, I am not as good at this as God. I'm practicing, probably like much of you here, and I have a tendency to either try to sweeten the deal or be more threatening, like, I won't use any examples because I don't have enough time to use examples, but are you guys, are you guys, do you identify with that? Do you find yourself doing that? It's kind of like trying to use a little leverage, but God doesn't do that. He does not do that. He just tells it as it is, and then he says, now, come to me. Now, Jesus Christ, and, and again, to quote, to quote uh, well, to loosely quote Dallas Willard, he says this, Jesus Christ is the one who is most qualified to tell us how to live. Jesus Christ is the one who is most qualified to tell us how to live. Now, we know why that is, right? Because he's the only one that's seen the, seen the Father and the fullness of who he is. He's the one that came and died the death we should have died. He lived the life that we should have lived. And he rose again so we can rise with him. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come unto me and I will teach you how to live, and I will give you life and life abundantly. So Jesus understands eternity, and he understands us, and he understands the Father. So would you guys agree, he's the most qualified to tell us how to understand reality and how to live life abundantly. And you guys know we're being prepared to live forever. Somebody say amen about that. That's super good news. So, so Jesus then is speaking first person as the one who is most qualified to tell us how to live now and forever. So let's just, I want you to just receive it from that perspective. I know you already do, but I've reiterated it. And we're gonna start here. And I want you to read now, we're gonna do this, we're gonna read together out loud like, like you used to do when you were in school. And, um, and this is Jesus speaking. These are all in red. They're on white on the screen, but this is all Jesus' direct words to the apostles. We can receive this directly. Are you guys ready? Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, 
For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you're to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, Proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows." So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Amen. You guys did good. You did good. Now I want to walk you through this. The first thing that Jesus tells us right out of the gate is probably some news we don't particularly love because we live in a free, beautiful nation where most of this happens with soft power, it's more influential and, and, uh, and, and influencing through kind of a conspiracy of shared values. But he says this, behold, I'm sending you out as sheeps in the midst of wolves. Beware of men that will deliver you to court and flog you. <laughs> you will be persecuted. Jesus tells you, listen, you need to understand something. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves and you are going to suffer some persecution in this life. It's just part of it. He just says, just be prepared for that. 
And again, this is the great thing about Jesus, is he didn't save us into the kingdom and say, look, all you need to do is pray a little prayer, and then you will have unbroken success, and you'll never have a trouble again. He never said that. He never said that. In fact, he said, you will share with me in my glory if you share with me in my suffering. So he's telling you, listen, part of this is to join me in what I'm doing. And then he breaks it down, of course. He says to them uh, in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? I thought this was uh, really interesting in the message, the way he breaks it down. He says, don't be naive. Some people will impugn your motives and others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul you before the civil authorities. Without knowing it, they've done you and me a favor and given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The spirit of your father will supply the words. When people realize it's the living God you're presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good, they're going to turn on you, even people of your own family. I like the way he lays that out. When people realize that what we're presenting is not some idol that makes them feel good, some people are going to turn on you. When we present Christ as he is, the creator who has a right to judge us for what we do with this life that he gave us, that doesn't go over super great with everyone. Not everybody's ready to give their life up to the Lord. And Jesus is warning us, hey, this is part of what you're doing. How many of you guys know that the good news of the kingdom isn't very good news for people who are not ready to stop being the God of their own life? Are you guys encouraged yet? You're so quiet. <laughs> well, here, here is the good news. That Jesus is saying, first of all, don't be surprised when there are some that hate you because they hate you because they hate me. So don't take it personally. You don't have to dig deep and think, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Like maybe, maybe I didn't explain it correctly. Maybe, maybe there's something, maybe I need to apologize for all the bad things that have ever happened in the world, and that's why this person is rejecting me in Christ. Well, if there is something that the Holy Spirit shows you you need to apologize, then by all means do that. But there is an, there is an invitation here for us to recognize that Jesus is saying, look, I'm the Son of God. I came to lay my life down. I'm doing miracles and giving my very life, and there are still people that hate me. They're going to hate you too sometimes. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a huge encouragement because I'm generally used to being well-liked. Like when I go into places and talk with people, they generally like me. And I like it. It feels good. It feels good to be liked. But sometimes they just genuinely do not like me. And I don't like how that feels at all. Has anybody else experienced this, right? You're just like, what is happening? And there's just people just, they just are like averse to me, you know? And I'm like, like, what is this? And the bottom line is there does come a point where we have to recognize that you are looking to the Messiah, the creator of heaven and earth, and your life 
is influenced by him and you look like him. You are kind. You're filled with hope. You're filled with holiness. There's certain things you won't do as a natural habit, not because you think you're better than anyone. You're actually not even really thinking about how that has, like it has nothing to do with anyone else. It has to do with you and Jesus because you love him more than anyone and it, and it changes the way you act. And when people see that, they look at you and they go, gross. Why are you acting like you think you're better than me? And you're like, I actually wasn't even thinking about you in relationship to what I'm doing. I mean, I'm saying hello and I love you and here's your cup of coffee, but <laughs> what are you doing? And why are they offended? They're offended because Christ is in you. And we have to, we have to be okay with that. And, and in fact, he follows it up with this. This is very interesting. Verse 26, he says this. He says, you're gonna be persecuted. Um, Children are going to turn against their dads and dads against their children. You're going to be hated by all for my name's sake, but whoever endures will be saved. You're like, okay, thank you, Jesus. And he says, verse 26, so have no fear of them. This is going to happen because they hate me, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Jesus is actually telling us, listen, I want you to be encouraged and don't be afraid because I'm telling you ahead of time that this will happen sometimes. Therefore, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when it happens. I don't know about you guys, but this has been, um, I think I've probably had to contend with fear more in the last 14 months than I have in my life. Now, I haven't been afraid every second of my life or anything. I'm just saying like leading has been not very fun. Anybody that's led anything in here, I think would agree, right? You're just, I mean, even your own self, you're like, what do I do right now? We, there, there has just been a sense of, 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 of fear. It's just been floating around, just free-floating anxiety. And if you want to pick it up, it's not that far. You can just grab it and hang out with it. So this word to me is such a blessing. Have no fear even if the worst thing you could think of is happening where people hate you because you like me, so therefore don't be afraid. That seems counterintuitive, but let me unpack it as we go. He says, don't fear those, verse 28, who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. <laughs> Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. Meaning he sees even the sparrows falling. He says, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. So fear not. You're of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Where does, the, where is it, where does it suddenly shift where we're no longer afraid? The connection here is that where we're set free from fear is when we put all of our affection, all of our love, and all our devotion on Christ. Let's keep going down and I'll, and I'll show you this. So he says, first of all, don't be afraid when these things happen. And then he begins to say, well, now here's what's going to happen. Verse 34, he says, don't think that I came to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me 
is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is actually the part where Christ is inviting us into true freedom and peace. This is the part where he's saying, listen, if you give your whole life to me, then no one can touch you. All they can do, the worst they can do is shorten this life by a few years. That's the worst they can do to you. You're completely free. You're completely free to live forever with me. And he says, don't think that everything is going to be, when he says, don't think I came to bring peace to the earth. Now, this is a weird scripture for me on its face because we talk about all the time the government of peace is upon his shoulder and of its increase there will be no end. So we're talking about how we're extending that and that's 100% true. And in fact, he will come and finish bringing the kingdom to the earth, create a new heaven and a new earth and we'll reign with him forever. And in the in-between time, we're extending the reign of his peace in our areas of influence, right? We're sharing the kingdom of heaven. We're carrying the prince of peace. And we talk about restoring cities, and we are. And we talk about that, and that's true. But he's also saying, but don't think that everybody wants peace. Don't assume that everything is going to be peaceful with all people because those that don't want to follow me are not gonna be at peace with you. And in fact... The only way that you and I are going to have peace is if we already love Christ more than even our own children, more than our own mother, more than our own father, more than our own spouse, more than anyone else is the only way that we can actually come to a place of peace. And remember, this is Jesus. He's the one who is most qualified to tell us how reality works. And he's telling you, you can be unafraid if you choose me above everything else. You can be at peace if you choose me above everything else. Now here's something that's really unique about this. He says, in the, in the last part, he says, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now we're not all gonna be martyred, guys. I mean, the chances are, honestly, probably nobody in this room is gonna get martyred. I mean, like, it's not like in China right now. In China right now, they, uh, they actually have an app that they have everybody download. And you are, and it's set up to where, this is, this is happening as we speak, it's set up to where you report people, your neighbors and people around you, if they have misguided opinions. It's called misguided opinions. And then you just, oh, I'm over here with Lou, and he had some misguided opinions, boop. And then a van shows up a little while longer. They pick you up at your house, pull you into the van, drive around, and start re-educating you until you decide to repent of your misguided opinions. That's strong persecution. Our friends that we just prayed for in the Caribbean, and I think you know what, which island that is, but they have a communist regime in place. And uh, our pastor friend that we just prayed for was told you need to decrease the size of your churches by this many hundreds of churches, Otherwise, we're going to come after you. And they said, well, can we listen to you or listen to God? We're not decreasing our churches. And they said, well, then we're going to come after your pastors. And so they uh, caught one of their pastors as on his way home, took him to a hotel room, beat him for 48 hours. And when they released him, he's now quadriplegic. So they've made their choices. 
and they're, they're having to pay it a high price. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But I'll tell you what they can't take from these guys. They can't take eternal life from them. They cannot take hope from them. And they are walking unafraid because they're taking up their cross and following him. Praise God. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But it is, but it is a very real thing. It's been amazing when we were working with these different leaders. When we, you know, we've gone on some different trips and, and worked with these, these leaders in this uh, Caribbean island. And they have a joy and a peace that inspires me as someone who lives in freedom. That I look at and go, that's different. You, what, your faith and your peace and your joy is different. There's something about it. They're, they're, it inspires. It's not that I can't get there, but it's just that they've paid a high cost for it. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying, this is available to all of you, but the only way that it works is if you actually love me more than you love your own life, than you love your own wife, than you love your own mother, your own daughter, your own son. And when you do that, you will have lost your life, as it were, but you'll have found your life. There is something that happens when you and I no longer worry about our own life. And Jesus is saying, if you want to live abundantly, if you want to live a full life, then you must do this. Otherwise, you're not worthy of me. It's not a threat. It's reality. He's saying, you can actually find your life if you'll lose it. You can actually find peace if you'll take yourself and put yourself under who I am. Now, it's interesting because he brings up our kids. And I mean, I have, I have daughters that I love and now a son-in-law that I love that my daughter picked out. I always say, say to my daughters, I got the best deal. I get to raise girls and then they go out and they pick the best sons. Win-win. And I love them dearly. And, and I, will be, I will be completely vulnerable with you that the worst and hardest times in this life for me is when they're not doing well, I am not doing well. I don't, I don't know. I think it makes us identify with the Lord on that level, right? When we've either uh, given birth to kids or adopted kids. The truth is all of us have kids that we pulled into our life, whether they were from our own, our own uh, loins or not. Going all Old Testament, old King James on you there. I always tell my daughter, you are my loin fruit. She's going to love that. Yes, hello out there on, online. <laughs> Perhaps I've digressed. But there's no pain. There's no pain that you feel until you've adopted people into your life and then they're going through something. And I think it makes us identify with how the Father feels about us. And yet, and yet, he says, you must love me more than you love them or you're not worthy of me. Why? Why? Well, there are several reasons, but I want to list a couple. Number one is because God himself is the author of all life and is worthy of the highest love above the love we have for ourselves and the love we have for anyone else. And when we look to him, when we look to him and put him in that place, everything in our life reflects the reality of Jesus Christ. And we begin to reflect the reality of his love and, and that he is the highest. He is the holy one. And we reflect that he alone is holy and begin to step into that and everything else starts to fall into place, including the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because the testimony of Jesus Christ is that he is the son of God. 
No one is more worthy than him. And so you and I, if we follow him, then we live that way. And, and I have to tell you this, if you love your children more than you love Jesus, they know it. And they don't respect Jesus. If you love your wife more than you love Jesus or your husband or anything else or yourself, then the people around you know it and you reflect it and not Christ. And Jesus isn't saying this because he has a, because he has a character defect. He's saying this because he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you look to my Father through me, you will have everything. But if you put anything in front of me, then you'll have none of it. It reminds me of oftentimes where we, uh, I, I don't know if you guys, you've probably experienced this, right? We'll probably all have that friend that does love the Lord, but then they meet, you know, Bill. Or they meet, you know, if it's the other, they, they meet that girl or that gal that's just like, they're just my everything, I love them. They just, this one tiny little thing, they don't love Jesus. But I think I'm going to go ahead and go forward with this because I'll probably win them over with my love. And so they, go, they do some missionary dating right? It's a horrible plan because Jesus himself says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Like, love the lost, tell them the good news, but don't marry them because you will be unequally yoked. It will be very troublesome for you, primarily because here's something. I'm going to marry you so that I can lead you to Jesus because look how great I am and fun. And I'll marry you and I want you to submit your life to Jesus. And they go, so you want me to submit to the person that's number two in your life? You want me to be number three in your life? No, 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 I want you to follow Jesus. He's my everything. (laughs) No, he's not. You love me more than you love him. Why would I demote myself? Do you guys see that? See, we reflect that. But we reflect that same thing to our children when we love them more than we love Christ. We reflect that same to our wives. I, I actually did this really poorly with Karen. When we were dating, I had already asked her to marry me. And then I realized I had never asked Jesus if I could marry her. And we were driving down the road. And I'm driving like, la, 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 life is so good. This is wonderful. And all of a sudden I realized I didn't ask God if I could marry Karen. And now in this day and age, I mean, like, isn't that the silliest thing, right? Here's what's crazy. I'm driving and I... And Karen looks over at me without me saying anything, goes, that idiot just realized he didn't ask Jesus to marry me, right? And I'm like, and she goes, what is the matter? (laughs) She's like already irritated. I'm like, I just realized I didn't ask Jesus if I could marry you. And she's like, well, are you planning to? And she, (laughs) (laughs) but at least you know I love Jesus more than you, right, baby? So you're welcome. Don't do it that way. That's a horrible way to do it. I'm just sharing that experience so you won't do something so dumb. But the point is, though, that Karen does know that I love Jesus more than her. And in fact, sometimes in our fights, if we're having a big fight and I don't know what to do, by the way, this is a secret weapon. Everybody can use it in your marriages or any relationship where you're fighting for that matter. If it's really going bad and we're going nowhere, then I will stop and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I am angry. My wife is angry. We're trying to fix it. We can't fix it. Can you please just come help us? And then I shut my mouth for a couple of minutes. And it's amazing how, I'm not, I'm not kidding, within a couple of minutes, he'll start helping us to unwind it. But you know, our 
relationship is strengthened because I know Karen loves Jesus more than me. And she knows I love Jesus more than her. And there's something that happens when you and I in this world reflect that. Everything makes sense. Does that make, are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a humility and a confidence that is available to us when we put Christ first that changes everything. And so then we are able to go through persecution. We're able to go through manipulation. We're able to go through being the only person in the room that has a different opinion. And we go, oh, I, well, that's, that's funny. Huh. Well, I love Jesus. It, it changes the whole dynamic. Fear has no hold on us when we found the one our heart loves. Can you guys receive that? And, and I, I, I want to, we're going to take communion together right now, but I want to encourage you, the last words of Jesus here in this particular section, verse 40 uh, through 42, he says, um, in fact, I want to read it from the, uh, from the message. I like the way he lays it out. He says, we are intimately linked in this harvest work, and anyone who accepts what you do accepts me the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed. It's best to start small. Give a cup of cool water to someone who's thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice, and you won't lose out on a thing. In other words, everything that you do in my name, you will have your reward. Everything that we're doing as we put Christ first, every single thing, whether it's giving somebody a cup of cold water or being patient, whether it's a gift, no matter what it is, everything that we do in Christ's name, he rewards us for it. Isn't that beautiful? So lose your life. Let's lose our lives. And let's gain them in Christ. And let's know that everything that we do, he will reward us for it. And with it, eternal life. Amen? So Lord Jesus, as we take communion now, we thank you that you're the God who gave us all things. You're the God who was broken for us. And we do put you first. He said, this is my body, it's broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. Then he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, the forgiveness of sins and with it eternal life. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we put you first. And if indeed there's anything that we have in front of you right now, Lord, Show us what it is that we could repent and make you first again. Let's receive the cup. I want to ask that the um, servant team and the elders come forward. If anyone would like prayer today, we want to agree with you. And as you leave today, take these words of Jesus to heart. Let him show you if there's anything that's fallen in front of him or that maybe you've never put below him so that you and I can be free.
and we can reflect Jesus as the true master and Messiah. Amen? All right, go share the good news, guys. We love you. It's good to be with you. Come receive prayer if you, if you need it today.